Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. This is just his introduction. He's like, he's like, this is what I do. This is what God's chosen me to do. He's picked me to do this. And good news for you and I is he's actually asking us to do the same thing. You want to know your, your role in life, part of your mission in being here, your reason for existence of not just existing on this planet, but being reborn. It's this. Replicate this. Preach and proclaim truth. Tell people the truth. Tell people about Jesus. If you've ever struggled with wondering what your purpose in life is, this is it. God may have a more specific role for you to fill, but every single one of us is called to spread the gospel. This is going to involve living it out as well as talking about it. As Pastor James begins our study in the book of Titus today, he'll challenge us to lean into that calling. Don't shy away from it or complacently sit by. Time is short and we can't know what tomorrow holds. We need to share Jesus while we can. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Titus chapter 1 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. We're going to go through chapter one today. It's, it's a short chapter, but Titus was uh, saved under Paul's ministry. He's not Jewish. As far as we know, he's just, he's a Greek. Like he, he's, well, we, I would say he's, he's Gentile. We don't know a whole lot about him. I mean, just biblically, there's, there's some uh, extra biblical stuff that, you know, says, well, you know, possibly this, possibly that. We know there's a reference to him, uh, a handful of references to him uh, throughout the New Testament, but there's not a lot about him other than this. He was a follower of Christ. He got saved under Paul, you know, Paul cruising around and, and sharing the gospel. And Paul raised him up like he was discipled by Paul. And then he was put into church leadership after that. Like, that's primarily what we know about him. There's a little bit more there. But if you want to figure out the little bit more, then I'm going to leave that up to you. OK, so this is who he is. He's a man of God. He's a young man of God. And Paul is writing this letter to this young man of God who has been put over a church of just knuckleheads, just knuckleheads. Like, man, you can't read through the New Testament and walk away thinking like the church is perfect. Like that's that's an assumption that I don't know who came up with it. Actually, I think it's probably more of a tactic of the enemy to keep people from church is this idea that, oh, if you got if you're going to go to church then you got to be like perfect, you got to have it all together. Just read your Bible, and it, 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 and specifically the New Testament, and it'll let you know real quickly, like, the church has never been full of perfect people. Read through 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. We'll see it here in Titus, like, the church has always just been full of just messed up people. And some are, like, pleasant to have around, and then some just give you headaches. And Titus is um, over a church that uh, it's just giving them headaches. And so here's the Apostle Paul going to encourage this young man, Titus, who, who's just kind of stepping into the ministry. Paul's going to send him this little letter, letting him know, you, need to st- you just can't give up. You need to stay strong. Stay strong. We need strong, healthy, godly male leadership in the church. This is part of what, what Paul's going to throw out there to Titus, like, 
Churches need good dudes who love Jesus. Strong men who are willing to stand up for truth. Like, you have to have that. We have to have that. And for too long in our American history, in more recent history, church, uh, church leadership and all that stuff has just been dominated by, by females. It's because dudes don't like going to church. Okay, well, let's figure that out. Like, why? Why don't guys like going to church? Because we need guys to come to church because we need some of those guys possibly to get saved and then start leading in the church because what the next generation needs is fathers. They need spiritual fathers. They got to have it. This is what Titus has with Paul. Paul is his spiritual father. And so here's Paul writing to his, his son in the faith, Titus, and he just lets him know right off the bat, chapter 1, verse 1, this letter is from Paul. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you right off, just right away that there's some, there's some thoughts there that Paul didn't actually write this letter. So if you do go into studying the book of Titus, you might come across some ideas of like, well, we don't really think it was Paul who wrote it. I can tell you right now, that's not really that big of an issue. I believe it is actually Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote this to Titus. I don't see any evidence to suggest otherwise, but you will come across that. And if you, if you dig deep into the Word of God, you're always going to come across somebody who thinks something else and will stand very confidently in their belief that what you think is right is completely wrong. Like this is welcome to studying the Word of God. Welcome to ministry. Welcome to life, right? <laughs> like, no, I've always thought it this way. I'm not saying that that's wrong, but there's always going to be somebody who steps in and is just as confident as you are that you are wrong. Okay. <laughs> so, so what do you do? Look, you just, you do your homework. You got to know what you believe. You got to know why you believe it. Like you got to know, like I, I believe that the, I believe that this letter is written by Paul to Titus. Why do I believe that? Because it fits all his other letter styles. Because this is what Paul did. So you're always gonna, there's always going to be some controversy in there. And, and I'm saying this because at the end of chapter 1, Paul has to address controversy within the church. Like people coming in saying like, well, is that really the right way to do it? Titus, or, I don't think you're doing this right. You know, and, and they try to interject all this extra stuff. Titus has to learn to stand firm on his own two feet. You have to learn to stand firm on your own two feet as well. I believe the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. Most biblical scholars, not that I am one, uh, believe that the Apostle Paul wrote this letter. So just to throw that out there from the beginning. But this is from Paul. He says, a slave of God or a bondservant of God. That's a slave by choice. We know that. Uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, one who is sent. Okay, so he has this apostolic ministry. He is he has seen the risen Lord Jesus and he was sent on mission by Jesus to the Gentiles to go and plant churches, raise up leadership, do all this stuff. This is Paul. He's like, hey, Titus, this is this letter is from me. He's like, I've been sent to you to proclaim the proclaim faith to those God has chosen and to teach them to know the truth that shows them how to live godly lives. So Titus, basically the book of Titus is all about, um, well, this we have a slide up here, but it's right doctrine and right living. Or I would just say, like, how to live a godly life. It's the book of Titus. Like, how to live a godly life. So here's Paul. He's like, here's the thing. I've been sent to proclaim faith to those who God's chosen and to teach them to know the truth, because the truth is something you can know. Despite what our world tells us, truth is unknowable, right? What is truth? That's what that was. Even Pilate had said that to Jesus, right? Like, what is truth? Pharaoh said they, uh, pretty much the same exact same thing to Moses. What is truth? Who is God, right? Like, and then our culture, our society today is, is saying, well, what is truth? 
What's true for you is true for you. What's true for me is true for me. Uh, that's nonsense. Like that just, that's not logical at all. Like there's no logic in that argument at all. Cause, uh, but look where it's gotten us. We, we can't even define men and women. Like we have people sitting on our Supreme Court who refuse to, to say what a woman is. I'm like, give me a break. Okay. Oh, well, what's true? Well, it's not, it's not, it's no longer facts. It's feelings. It's feelings. Why well, feel this? I don't care what you feel. Facts are facts. The facts don't care about your feelings. That's reality, right? A green light is a green light. A green light is never a red light. So if the light's red and you run through it, like, I really feel that that light is green. And you get in a wreck, that's on you, right? Like, what, there's logic. What happened to logic? And here Paul is saying, he's like, my part of my job is to teach truth. Because truth can be grasped. It can be held on to. It can be known. The truth is Jesus. He, said, he himself said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father but, but by me. So here's Paul. He's like, I'm, I'm teaching people the truth. I'm showing them, you know, the truth that shows them how to live godly lives or righteous lives. He says, this truth gives them confidence that they have eternal life, which God, who does not lie, God cannot lie, promised them before the world began. So this is just Paul's little introduction. And he's just like, every introduction this dude just puts down on, on any of these letters, 13 of which that he was used by the Holy Spirit to write, he's just dropping theological bombs everywhere. Boom, boom. He's like, I'm a proclaimer of truth, showing people how to live uh, godly lives. This truth that I proclaim to them, that I teach them, that they can grasp, they can, you know, that they can know, they can understand and comprehend, it gives them confidence that they have eternal life. I hope you have confidence that you have eternal life. Okay? You need to know, like, the moment you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, like, you, you, went, you went through the Romans road, right? You acknowledge, I'm a sinner. Sin leads to death. But God stepped in, sent his son, died on the cross. I, I believe in my heart. I confess with my mouth that, that he died on the cross and he rose from the grave. Like, you are all in. You're set. You're set. Now, what Paul's goal is to go from there to like, now live a godly life. Back up what you say you believe in. Back it up by how you live. But you and I should walk through this world with confidence, knowing this. My destination is set. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm going. There's going to be bumps on the road on the way there. There's going to be a lot of me falling down, him picking me up. And, and me sometimes help and pick up other people along this race. Yes, that's a reality for us all. But I know my destination. I know where I'm headed. I'm headed to heaven. There's no doubt about it in my mind at all. None. None. And you got to run with that confidence. You run with that confidence. Because that confidence will, can and should keep you from swaying off, you know, too far to the right or to the left, but just to stay straight, just like Moses had encouraged Joshua, right? Like, don't drift to the right, don't drift to the left. Just stay focused on Jesus, essentially, and just run this race. He's waiting at the finish line for you. So that, that should alleviate any doubt in your mind. Like, you received a free gift. It's a free gift. He, he did all the work. He's given it to you. You've received that. Now run with confidence. Walk with confidence, you're a son of God. That's who you are. That's who you are. He picked you. He chose you because he wanted you. 
this is just his introduction. He's like, he's like, this is what I do. This is what God's chosen me to do. He's picked me to do this. And good news for you and I is he's actually asking us to do the same thing. You want to know your, your role in life, part of your mission in being here, your reason for existence of not just existing on this planet, but being reborn. It's this. Replicate this. Preach and proclaim truth. Tell people the truth. Tell people about Jesus. Come alongside younger men and encourage them. This is who you are in Christ. This is truth that can be known. So he's, he's just dropping bombs, man, theological bombs. And he's like, you know, we, we won't even get into some of the stuff that causes controversy and splits and divisions within church of like, was it free will or is it like everything preordained and all this stuff? I don't, I don't, no, I don't care. Um, you know what the deal is? I'm in. That's what I know. Did God's big enough. He already, if he didn't know I was going to be saved, then I need to find another God, right? If he didn't know from before existence, anything existed that I would be saved, then he doesn't know all things. So I know that God, who knows all things, knows exactly who will get saved and who will reject his free gift of salvation. And I am totally comfortable with that. If he doesn't know that information, then I don't know if I need to follow him. Because I want to give my life to a God who knows all things. And our God from the Bible is omniscient. It means he knows all things from beginning to end. So do you pick me before the foundation of the world? Sweet. I don't know how that works, but I believe it. I'm in. Like, just the fact that you picked me is enough for me. I'm, di- I'm in. Sign me up. Let's go. Like, you wanted me? I don't care when that decision was made. You wanted me? Sweet. I'm in. Let's, let's do this. Let's go. The God of all creation, the God, God Almighty wanted you. Go for it. Like, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want that? So Paul's like, I love how Paul, Paul will throw these things out. And it, there's no like, there's no effort on his part to be like, now let me break this concept down for you. And under, let me throw out both sides of the argument so you can understand it. He's like, no, this is just how it is. This is how it is. Like, he, he, he picked from promise them before the world began. Like, that's just how it is. I love the Bible, just the, the confidence even from the Word of God. The Bible never explains God's existence. It never does. Look, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. Well, wait a minute. Where, where did he He didn't come from anywhere. He is God. He didn't have a beginning. If he had a beginning, then you need to find another God. Like, the Bible, the Bible never seeks to, def, to, defend itself in the sense of like, well, let me explain how God works or where God's, it's like in the beginning, God, period. Like, that's it. Like, that's, that's how it was. And, and you dive deeper into the word and the word is very clear about, well, there's this triune God, God, the father, God, the son, who's Jesus Christ and God, the Holy Spirit, perfect triune God living in perfect community with each other, never needing us, but wanting us. It's just really cool how the Bible is like, a lot of these things that trip people up, the Bible is just like, well, this is just how it is. This is just how it is. And it's like, cool. All right. I, I try not to lose any sleep on some of these things. I would encourage you not to lose sleep on some of these things. If you're like really wrestling or struggling with like all this, like, well, don't I have a free will and choice? Yeah. Did you receive the free gift of salvation that he offered to you? That's your choice. Did you, did you receive it? Did you accept that? Okay, sweet. Just run with it. Like, don't look back. Like, 
I just assume that maybe a mistake was made and like, I, like yeah, yes, I'm going to take that free gift and uh, I'm going, man. I'm, I'm going 100%. I, I'm, I'm never looking back of like, well, was it me or was it him? And I don't, I don't know. I don't care. Like I'm in. I'm his son. I'm his kid. I'm running for the Lord Jesus. Was it said before the foundations of the world? That's what my Bible says. That's cool for me. I'm like, yeah, let's do this. Um, I don't feel like you're not a robot. I'm not a robot. You have a choice in the, in the decision, but God already knows what's going to happen. So I look, Paul's just like, hey, Titus, you need to know this. You need to, you need to be reminded of these things. These are what I've, I taught you already, these things. And, it, and Paul's emphasis within this greeting, too, is like, so that you have confidence, man. You got to have confidence. And Christians, Christians in general need to have confidence. Confidence. It's a difference maker. Christian men have to have confidence, not arrogance, confidence. This is his word, man. I stand on this thing. Like this is life. This, this thing cuts through all the nonsense and the junk that I have sometimes going on within my heart. It cuts right through that nonsense and gets right to the point. You got to have confidence in who you believe, why you believe in him. And where you're headed, you're headed to heaven. Okay, the biggest problem in your life then has been settled. Now run. Now run. Go nuts for Jesus. What in the world do you have to lose? What do you have to lose? Eternity set. Your existence on this planet is only a vapor. That's it. We put all of our, we, we go all in, all chips in for a sliver of your existence. And God's like, you have eternity with me. You have eternity with me. And I get it, man. I Look, I, life is hard. Life is difficult. And you, and you're, especially if you've been entrusted with wife and kids and responsibility, life is, is stressful at times. It's difficult at times. But never lose sight of the big picture. This is only a vapor. This is only it. Like you have a, you have a mansion, whatever that means, John chapter 14 that is being constructed by Jesus for you right now. Like, that's forever. Forever. So we got to have this confidence. Like, man, I can, I can walk through whatever because Christ is with me. Because he's with me, man. I have his word. I have him. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. I can walk through this life. I can face whatever. And guess what? Whatever will come. And it will test you on that. And then... Then what, what is one day you know, like 100% confidence just goes to zero in an instant, right? And then, or maybe just 1%. But I'm hanging on to that 1% of like, God, you've got to bail me out. You've got to bail me out because I'm in, I'm wavering. He's like, I know, I know. He's like, but let me remind you. Let me remind you of what, what, what is true. Paul, he goes on to say, he says, and now at just the right time, he has revealed this message, the gospel, which we announce to everyone. We, got, we proclaim the gospel to everyone. It is by the command of, our, of God, our Savior, that I have been entrusted with this work for him. I am writing to Titus, my true son in the faith, that we share. May God the Father and, Jesus, and Christ Jesus, our Savior, give you grace and peace. And that's just his introduction. He goes right into, now here's what I need you to do, Titus. He's like, hey, what's up, Titus? Theological bombs, boom, 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 here we go. Uh, he's like, now let me tell you what you need to do. 
So from a spiritual dad to a spiritual son, Paul's like, all right, buddy, here's how you need to finish well. So verse 5, five, five, through, uh, 5 through 16, this is all like Paul commissioning Titus. And there's some nuggets in here that, that we'll need to pay attention to. He says, I left you on the island of Crete so you could complete our work there and appoint elders in each town as I instructed you. So immediately Paul's letting him know that this work in, of ra- planting churches and all that stuff, he's like, it's not my work, it's our work. It's a group thing. And above all that stuff, it belongs to Jesus. So Paul left Titus in Crete, and the island of Crete, so that he can complete the work there. So he can raise up elders in each of the towns as he's been instructed. So Paul's going to give him, give him, give us a nice little definition of like, here's what to look for in an elder, okay? Uh, an elder must live a blameless life. Not, now, please note that that says blameless, not perfect, okay? So if you're looking for a perfect pastor, keep on looking. Jesus is his name. Uh, if you haven't met him, I'll gladly introduce you to him. Uh, he's the only perfect pastor, okay? So he's the good shepherd, and he is the, he's the perfect one. But a, an elder, 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 bishop, pastor, I mean, all these terms are interchangeable. They're all interchangeable. They essentially mean overseer. They, they mean the same thing, basically, okay? It all means the same thing. It says, an elder must live a blameless life, a, a life above reproach. It's kind of what it's saying there. He must be faithful to his wife, and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild and rebellious, what that's saying is like, he's got to be a good, godly man, not only at the pulpit, but in his house. Because if he's got all this together, but you go to his house and it's just, it's, it's like little hellions running around all over. It's like, it's like chaos. Like, and he's just like, oh, I don't really, I never spend time here because I spend all my time at the church. Don't follow that guy. Don't follow that guy. He's not leading well. He's not qualified. He's not qualified. This does not mean that, like, you, you examine the lives. Number one, it's not your job to examine my kids' lives, number one. Please know that, okay? So being a pastor's kid, it's not that you guys do this, but being a pastor's kid, I, I can only imagine because I wasn't one, has to be one of the most difficult things ever because they live under a microscope that is an unjust microscope, right? We know how that works sometimes. You're like, you're like, yeah, the pastor's good, but I mean, do you see what his kids are doing? You see what his kids are saying? All this stuff is like, that's not your business. That's not, so it's not saying like your kids have to be perfect little angels and, and all that good stuff, or it's, at, it's the church's responsibility to like dig into the pastor's business. And no, it's like if he's, he should be leading well from the pulpit, but he also should be leading well at home. That's what it's saying. Okay. So you got to be a pastor, not only at the church, but you got to be a pastor, a leader at the, at the house as well. That's what the saying. Being faithful to his wife, okay? A man of one wife, essentially, right? That's, 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 that should be a, a good indicator as well. This also doesn't disqualify. I've, I've seen guys go through this. They've been married previously, and then they get divorced, and then they, I've, I've actually talked to guys about this, and, but I've seen this worked in, in other churches where it's like, oh, you're divorced? Well, you can't be a pastor here. But that's not what this is saying. That's not at all what this is saying. And unfortunately, sometimes we, we use uh, wrong interpretations to really to discredit a bunch of just good qualified guys. Hope 
You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're based out of Galveston, Texas, with the support of Calvary Galveston and listeners like you. We trust that what you heard in today's message stirred something inside of you. Titus is a short book of the Bible, but it really packs a punch. Something that's pinpointed in this book is the fact that Jesus came to earth as a human. So even though he's a part of the Trinity of God, he also was God incarnate. If this type of doctrine was under question, it's no wonder why Paul wrote to Titus to confirm and reassure that this important belief shouldn't be thrown out. It's a vital thing to remember nowadays as well. Nothing in the Bible should be disregarded or thrown out. It's all important. If you value these teachings and are interested in hearing them in person, then come join us on a Sunday morning. At Calvary Galveston, our atmosphere is simple, laid back, and uncomplicated. We just seek to magnify Jesus at all ages. To learn more about our ministry, we invite you to visit breadforthebroken.com. While you're there, why not discover more about the church and this ministry, as well as look for opportunities to partner with us. There's a Give tab that's easily accessible on our website if you feel led to support us in a financial way. We would also love your prayer support for this ministry. Pastor James is excited to share more thoughts with you in the coming study. Until then, stay rooted in the Word and be ready to hear more solid teachings right here on Bread for the Broken.